I've had a good week. This week was um, district assembly out at the campground and also camp meeting. And so it was a really good week. It was a lot of driving back and forth um, from here to you know, the border there of Indiana, but it was really cool to get to be with all of the other pastors and people from our district and, and get to see what God's doing in the church. And so I just want to update you on a few things. Um, number one, probably the, the biggest thing that's relevant to us that happened at district assembly was that um, our former pastor, Pastor Bob, um, was reelected the district superintendent for the next four years. And so that's a pretty cool thing. He's going to continue to serve in that position. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we've had just a week full of, of good messages. Um, I, I like hearing good messages. I'm sorry you don't get to hear more good messages, but, um, but I like getting to go hear really good speakers. And, um, and Doug Van Est, our, our former DS, has been, as Adam said, he's been doing a great job. Um, Wednesday night he spoke and, um, and his, he was talking about uh, one of the parts that I'm going to be talking about today. I always love that when I get to hear a sermon about what I'm going to preach about that week because then I can just copy it and not do the work. Which, no, I'm just kidding. It gives me inspiration, though. And, but, but it's been excellent. And so I do want to encourage you. Um, camp meeting ends tonight. The service is at 5 o'clock. As Adam says, Nat, said, Naz Jazz plays at 4.15. Um, but, but I would encourage you to be a part of that. There's nothing going on here at the church tonight, and it's just a good opportunity for you to go out to the campground and hear a really good message and, and worship together with a, a lot of people. And, and so real quick, this is just kind of a general announcement. If you need a ride out there tonight, we need to know today, like by the end of the morning. So out in the foyers, there are sign-ups, and if you, if you can't get out there on your own and need a ride we'll get you there. So sign up out there. But I want to encourage you all of, all of you to be out there. It's, it's been a really good week. Um, we, we got to hear the general superintendent preach and do a great job. And then we got to hear um, Doug preach. We got to hear missionaries preach. We got to hear the district superintendent's report. It, it's just been a good week. And, um, and, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to continually be reminded. Because even though I work at a church, even though my job is to preach, I need to hear... <laughs> I need to hear God's word spoken over and over and over again. It's, it's just been a great week for that. So, so join us tonight. Well, we're in the series 9 to 5, and, and last week um, we were talking about Genesis chapter 2. We were talking about how we were created to work. It says, in the beginning, God created man, and, and when, when God created man, he put man into the garden, and he put him there to work. I'll, I'll read in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, in this paradise, to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so we see... I just want to set this up, all right? God's created this beautiful paradise, and as I talked about last week, God invites man into the work of taking care of his creation. We are made in God's image. We have the ability to create and to add to this world, and God gives a simple instruction. You can eat from all of these wonderful trees. Stay away from that one. That one is not good for you. Don't eat that one. What happens when you tell your kids... Stay away from that. <laughs> we we kind of have this human element, right? Uh, and, and so we see this, this perfect, perfect creation. And, and the basic idea we talked about last week is that we were created to worship God 
through our work. So we come together and we worship together through our singing, through our giving, um, through our services, but, but we also worship every day when we go to work. The way we live our lives every day is worship. And so, so that's where we were last week. And so we got this beautiful scene, and it's like, how could this get messed up, right? We've got this perfect creation, and, and God made man and invites us into this beautiful picture. I mean, how can this get messed up? Well, it doesn't take long. We just moved from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 3, and we see how it gets messed up. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had, God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, you may eat, um, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Oh, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so we see the deception. God's given clear instructions. Stay away from that tree. It's not good for you. And the serpent says, hey, he's just trying to hold you back. That tree's fine. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. The big deception, the fall. I, I've got a similar event that happens in my life all the time. It's when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings and I have a wonderful meal and I really enjoy it, but then there's this thing on the menu called cheese curds and they're so wonderful. And I know that when I eat those cheese curds, they're gonna make me really sick. But there's this thing inside of me that's like, come on, you can handle it. Every time I walk out of there, sick. And so what we see here is this big deception. We see this beautiful picture. God created the heavens and the earth, and God created this paradise and invites man and woman into it to be a part of creation and says, just stay away from that. But man and woman are deceived into thinking that they can do better on their own. The serpent tricks man into thinking, hey, God's great, this is all good, but, but hey, if I go out on my own, if I go my own way, maybe there's something better for me. And all of a sudden, there in Genesis chapter 3, right after Genesis chapter 2 and all of the beauty, we see the mess up. We see the fall. This was a big moment for us. Because the truth is, all of us were affected by that decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden. And the way we were affected is that we were born with a selfishness and, and, a, and a nature to do what's, what's good for us and not to serve God. We were born, we call, that, um, we call that original sin, we call that sin that was, we were born into. And so every single one of us was born with a selfishness. So that's not how it was supposed to be. We were created to be a part of God's ongoing work in this world. We were created to live in paradise and to contribute to it. But because of this moment, we struggle. What does this have to do with our work? We're talking about our work. Well, I think it's easy to sit here in a sanctuary and say, God, 
I trust you. I give you everything. God, I want to live my life for you. But the truth is, when we go to work tomorrow, sometimes it's hard to live for God with everything we have. Sometimes we can be deceived by our selfishness, by that craftiness inside us, that original sin, that, that selfish nature to think that we can do better on our own. So what does this look like? Well, sometimes we just think that we can create something better than God has for us. And so we think in our work, well, if I work really hard and if I become great, if I succeed, if I reach the pinnacle of, of my business or my work, if I do that, then my life will be better. That's not what God says. God says, I want you to come into this creation and I want you to work and to worship God, not ourselves. Last week we talked about how our work is worship and sometimes the way that we miss this is, is we forget that our work is supposed to be worship to God and we get it twisted around and our worship actually becomes for our work, not for God. I'll joke about this, but, but I mean, we're here to worship this morning. Work is one of the ways we worship, but there are a lot of people that get to the point that, that what they're really worshiping is their work, is their career, is their legacy. That's not what we were intended to be. Another way that we miss this in work is that, is that we're called to be holy. We're called to represent the image of Christ in our work, but occasionally, we may be tempted to do something that's not Christ-like to get ahead in our work, maybe to cut corners, maybe to cheat somebody else, maybe to step on somebody else to get higher up so that we can be better off. Do you see how deceptive this is? It's, it's real. It happens to pastors. It happens to all of us, that, that we have this selfishness inside of us that even though we were created to worship God with our work, to go and be a part of this beautiful creation, we have a tendency to make it about us. I'll, I have a tendency to make it about me. I do. I am so sorry. I have a tendency to make it about me. But we were created to worship God. We weren't created to work for our own brand, to, to build our own legacy. We were created to worship God and to add to this beautiful place. Work is worship, but hear this, how, how we work matters. How we worship, who we're worshiping with our work matters. And so it's important what we do tomorrow, today, the next day, as we work, Adam and Eve thought they could do better, and they bought into that lie. And man, when they went down that path, it didn't, they, they realized really quickly that something was wrong. I want to keep reading in verse 7. After they ate the fruit, so the, the serpents deceived them, and this isn't going to be on the screen, but the serpents deceived them into thinking they can do better. Hey, if you eat this fruit, then you'll actually be like God, and you can be better off than you are under God. And so they eat the fruit, and in verse 7 it says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer this out loud. They realized they were naked. And so their response is, I'm going to sew something. I'm going to cover myself up. Do you see the symbolism there? God created them. God put them in the garden. Everything was fine. But the second they tried to go out on their own, they realized they were naked. They realized that there was something that, that, that they wanted to hide about themselves. And so it says they covered themselves up. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking into the garden in the cool of day. And what did they do? And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Think about this. There were no problems in the garden. Everything was okay until Adam and Eve decided that they could go out on their own and do better than what God had promised and given them. And so they eat the fruit and immediately they experience shame. They experience a realization that they are not good enough on their own. And everything is messed up. When they went their own way, they weren't comfortable with who they were. They weren't good enough. They didn't become like God or better than God. They realized their humanity. They realized their nakedness and their shame. I'm going to do something I rarely ever do, and I'm going to talk about a musical. <laughs> One of the most popular movies that's come out in the last year, especially in my household, is The Greatest Showman. And it's the story of a, a guy that gets so obsessed with making a name for himself. That, that, that he just thinks, if I, can, if I can become the greatest, if I can have the greatest show, then you see him trying to prove himself through his accomplishments. And there's a song in the middle of it, and, and it's a song with, that, that I'm sure all of you women have sang in the car when you're by yourself. It's a song that my kids sing in the car, even though, even though they're boys, sing in the car. And, and then some of you men, I know, when you're in the car alone, try to sing this song to yourself. It's called Never Enough. I promise you I've never sang that song in the car. But I get so sick of the music from that movie because we play it nonstop and my kids sing it nonstop. But this song is, is just a microcosm of this that, that it'll never be enough. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter how much you succeed. It'll never be enough for you. And that's absolutely true to life. If you are living for yourself, if you think you can make it on your own, if you think you can achieve your way to a better life, you're wrong. It will never be enough. And if you go out on your own and you say, God, thanks for what you've given me, but I'm going to go my own way and try to do it on my own, you're going to come to a realization really quick that you're not God, and that there, there isn't enough there. And you'll come to that realization that Adam and Eve had that, man, I need to cover up, and you'll feel that shame. I have a tendency, like this last week at District Assembly, I'm hearing these great speakers. I heard the GS speak, and, and then um, Doug Van Ness, and I'll be honest with you, when I, when I see other pastors and I see great speakers and, and listen, I don't tell you this because I don't need you to say anything to me, 
I'm just telling you that the truth is when I start to think that I can be something, I am very quickly reminded that I am not great in myself. It doesn't matter how accomplished or anything else, you will never have fulfillment if you're working for yourself. In fact, um, we talked about The Greatest Showman, but you know I'm a sports fan. One of the things that stood out to me more than anything else was Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever to play the game, in his Hall of Fame speech, do you know what he did? He was taking shots at other people and he was criticizing other people because you could tell that he was not secure in who he was. This is the guy that changed the face of basketball, made millions and millions of dollars, the greatest player ever. And in his Hall of Fame speech, you could see that he was insecure in himself. It will never be enough. If you step outside of God's plan and think you can make it on your own and think you can have a better life apart from God, You'll never, ever be fulfilled in your work. And, and I just, I mean, I want to step outside my notes and just speak to you. I believe a lot of us do this. I believe a lot of us get caught up in ourselves and in our work and trying to benefit ourselves. And, and yes, we call ourselves Christians and we come on Sunday. And even those of us that are doing our best, I believe it's really easy for us to get caught up in our own image in our own brand. But every time it's going to lead us to that place that Adam and Eve were where they said, we're not worthy to be in the presence of God. We've got to hide. We're not good enough. We're naked. We've got to cover up. That's not the way it was created to be. But I loved um, um, Doug the, Van Est spoke this week and he said, if you think that this story of Adam and Eve is just a story of failure and punishment, then you have missed it. Because this is really a story of God's love and God's grace that even when they messed up, God loved them and God forgave them. And if we fast forward from this story up until the coming of Jesus, then we see that Jesus was a part of God's ultimate plan to restore us to the way we were created to be. So we've got beautiful creation, perfect, and God puts us into it and says, work with me, be in relationship with me, and, and work and create, and we're made in the image of God. And then man steps outside of it and blows it. And Jesus comes and says, I am coming to make all things new again. The good news this morning is that no matter how many times you've blown it in your work, no matter how many times you've been selfish, no matter how many times you've missed the mark and you've made it about you and you've, you've fallen short, Jesus came so that we could be restored to what we were created to be. We are offered redemption through Christ. We are made new through Christ. And so we can be what we were created to be in the garden. We can be in that relationship with God and we can work towards God's creation because of the work of Jesus on the cross. That's good news this morning because I know you guys have messed up. I know it. I've messed up. God offers us redemption and makes us new 
again. So today we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3. I want to look at what this means about our work, what we're called to be. So we had, we had the original creation, then we had the failing and the old self. I talked about the self that's, that's caught up in our selfishness and that thing inside of you that makes you do the thing you don't want to do, like eat cheese curds or, or eat the fruit you're not supposed to eat. But, but in Colossians, Paul is talking about the fact that we are made new. We are made new in the image of God. This is a prison epistle, and in it, Paul, that means that Paul wrote it from prison to the church, and he's trying to help the church live to be the people that, that God created them to be. Not to be selfish, but to put off that selfishness and be like Christ. And so in, in chapter 3, we see really practical examples of what it means to live in the image of God, to be created new. In verses 18 to 21, Paul gives instructions to husbands and to wives and to children and to parents. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and take care of your wives. He says, children, obey your parents and parents, treat your children well. But there's a common theme through all of those instructions. And it's this, that the driving force behind what we do and the way we treat others is to glorify God. In verse 18, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. In other words, because of God's love, because you are made new, you should submit to your husbands. And then it turns around and says, husbands, love your wives and take care of your wives. And it's the same thing. Because God has offered us, God has given us this opportunity to be new again. And so we are meant to worship God with the way we treat each other. It says, children, obey your parents. Not because your parents are perfect. We just talked about your parents aren't perfect. They mess up. But children, obey your parents because you are worshiping God. It says in verse 20, for this pleases the Lord. And then it says, fathers, treat your children well. Don't, don't make things harder for them. Why? Because we are called to worship God. And so then in verses 22 to 25, Paul specifically addresses our work. And so here it is, 22 to 25. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So this is talking to us about our work. Now, I realize that first word says slaves, and I want to talk about that for a minute because we don't necessarily live in that same system that they did at that time. But, but Paul says, slaves, obey your earthly masters. The word here for slave means voluntary slaves, as in somebody that chooses to work from someone else, or involuntary, somebody that doesn't have a choice. And so in that day, there was this system where a lot of people were, were in this slavery. And, and I just want to take a second to kind of go off topic because I think this is really important for us to understand in the church. I think a lot of our questions about the Bible come from texts like this. It seems like Paul is affirming slavery 
or something that we view as very, very wrong. But I want you to understand this morning that that's not what's happening here. Paul is living in a time where slavery is the norm. And one of the best things I've ever heard about this is that God always meets us where we are and calls us to a better place. And so what Paul is doing here is not affirming slavery or that institution, but what Paul is doing is saying, hey, even in this terrible institution of slavery, we are called to a higher standard. God always meets us where, I love that, God always meets us where we are, even in our brokenness, and draws us closer to him to make us more holy. And so he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters. One more thing I want to point out. We're talking about one of the worst forms of work, aren't we? Slavery, something that, that we can all agree is just not right. And, and Paul says, even in the worst working situation, the one that you can be stuck in, you are called to represent Christ, to, to be the image of God. That's huge. I want you to know that no matter what your work is, no matter what your situation is, no matter how bad your boss is or how bad you're treated or any of that stuff, I want you to know that you are called, you are called to work and serve in the image of God. God wants to call us to be holy, regardless of where we're at. And so it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, and do it not only when their eye is on you, this is tricky, this is something we all need to hear, not only when their eye is on you and to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. It says, be obedient, be a good worker, be a good employee. And don't just do it for your own gain. Don't just do it when the boss is watching you. But do it with sincerity of your heart. With this desire to please God. My second job, not my, fir my first job was at Jeffrey Bean Clothing Stores. My second job was at Grand Ole Golf in Nashville. It's right by Opryland. And it's this really cool putt-putt course. And I think I was like 16 at the time. Maybe... I think I was 16 at the time, and I worked at Grand Ole Golf, and I'll be honest with you, like, I loved that place, but I didn't really like how we were treated, and, and when the boss was there, like, we all worked really hard, right? But when the boss wasn't there, all of a sudden, there was this opportunity to, like, do what we wanted, and you could, I, I don't want to give anyone ideas of, of how to not be a good worker, but I'm just going to tell you that I didn't always, I didn't always work as a good employee because I was in it for myself. But what this says is, slaves, obey your earthly masters. Work and be a good servant. Be a good, um, <coughs> be a good employee. Not just to please the boss, but do it with sincerity of heart because that's who you were created to be. We are called to work and set a good example and be good employees and to work hard not because... The boss says so, but because we were created in the image of God. And when we go to work, we represent God in the way that we work. Remember, how you work matters. So obey your earthly masters and do it not just for your own favor, but, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. In verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do. 
Some of you may think your work is insignificant. You may think it's not worth working that hard on. That We all have things in our job that are really important, and we all have things that are kind of like, eh. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. One of the things I loved about the car wash yesterday is that, yeah, it was an overcast day, and we were here for three hours, or most people were here. I had some other things I had to do in the middle of it, but, but not only did people show up to wash cars, but they had, I mean, it was well done. We had snacks, we had drinks, we had people there. Like, I was very impressed with the planning and the work that went into that by the 99 for the one ministry and, and by Rick. It doesn't matter what you're doing, Set an example for God with what you do, and so do it excellent. Be great at it. And then in verse 24, it says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I want to talk about two things from my vacation real quick. One of them, I'm going to cry. One of them was, was Eli, my oldest. I do this because he's getting really tall. Um, but Eli... Um, you guys know my mom's situation. She's not in the best physical shape, and, um, and so it was hard to get around. But 10-year-old Eli would just push her out. You know why? Because he's made in the image of God. And what he was doing wasn't, wasn't to impress anyone. It was because he's made in the image of God. And this little 10-year-old kid that's skinny and, you know, weighs like 10 pounds is pushing my mom around. And I got to tell you, as a father, you know how that made me feel. I thought, I'll, I'll give you everything. You can have it all. You're my boy. The other thing was this. I'll stop crying. Sorry. I went to five baseball games. One of the things we like to do is we like to go to the baseball parks and we're trying to get to all of the stadiums. And so we went to five baseball games while we were on vacation. And, and only one of my kids wanted to go to all five games, and that was Charlie. Not because Charlie loves baseball, but because Charlie wanted to hang out with me. And, and when we went, I was like, man, yeah, you can have an IC. Yeah, you can have candy. Yeah, you're going to throw all this up later, but, but I love you. Do you understand? Like, I want you to understand that this is, this is who God is. God creates us in his image. And, and when we serve God, not for our own benefit, but because we love God and we want to be the image of God, I believe that God sits there and says, those are my people. And i got to take care of them. And in verse 24, it says, work hard, not for human masters, but for the Lord, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Think about who Paul's writing to here. He's writing to slaves. There's no inheritance in slavery. They, the harder they work, they don't get part of the land. They don't, that's not how this works. And he says, work hard not for your master on earth, but work hard for God because guess what? In the end, God will reward you if you work in God's image. That is good news. I want you to understand today that, that you can accomplish a lot on your own and it'll never be enough. But if you serve God, you will be rewarded with an inheritance that you can never, never, never get on your own. And so it says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
This is kind of challenging, isn't it? It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What this ultimately means is that your work is a reflection of your love for God. Your work, what you do in your life, the way that you work every day is a reflection of your love for God. So I just want to stop and ask you a question. What does your work say about your relationship and your love for God? Are you working for yourself? Or are you serving God with everything you have because you are created in the image of God? Verse 25 goes on and it says, Anyone that does wrong will be repaid for wrongs. And there is no favoritism. And and I just want to close today by looking at that statement and by this idea of inheritance. And I want to close today by telling you there are two really good things about this text. Yes, it's calling us to a higher standard. Yes, it's saying we can't slack off no matter how hard work is. It's saying we got to honor God and worship God with our work. But there's two reasons this is really great. Number one, it says there will be no favoritism. The truth is, in the jobs that you work, sometimes there's favoritism. Sometimes the systems are messed up, and sometimes you will work really hard, and you will not get what you really deserve. It's true. You will be passed up for promotions that you deserve. You will be punished for things that you don't need to be punished for. You will be be treated wrong on this earth in your earthly job. That will happen. But God says, with me, there's no favoritism. If you work in the image of God, if you serve with all your heart, you're getting the inheritance. You're not going to get gypped. The good news is, in this broken system on earth where we can get messed up, and a lot of you have been there, you've experienced that. If you work for the Lord, you will never, ever get gypped because God gives you an inheritance that you could never have on earth. God is the ultimate judge, and God is not partial. So the truth is, Work hard in what you do. Work hard in what you do. Represent God in what you do. And guess what? You don't have to worry about the stuff that's going on here because you have an inheritance that far outweighs it. Number one, there's no favoritism. If you serve God, if you work for God, you will be rewarded. Number two, the second thing, your best is enough. And this one's huge. Because I talked to you earlier about how how I have these moments where I think about myself, I'm just not good enough. I'm not as good as those people over there. And I mean, I'm telling you, I I had these thoughts this week where I think, who am I? I'm not as good as those guys. I can't do the job like those guys can. Who am I? I'm a fraud. And And I see myself and I want to cover myself and I want to hide in shame. But if we serve God... If God is the ultimate judge and God is the ultimate judge, guess what? Your best is enough. And the good news this morning, I know that I've shared with you some some vulnerability of what I think inside, but I want you to know that I also understand that in Christ, I'm everything I need to be. Not because I'm great, but because I'm made in the image of God. And so if I will serve God and I will give God everything I have, my best is enough. Isn't that good news? 
You don't have to be Michael Jordan. You don't, you don't have to prove that you're better than everyone else. You just need to be who you were created to be. God didn't ask Adam and Eve to, to be perfect. God just said, be who I created you to be. Live in relationship with me and be a part of what I'm doing here in creation. And so all of us have jobs. This board here represents a lot of us in our business cards. If you weren't here last week, these are the business cards of people in the church, and some of them are made up. And I, I want you to know that if you didn't get to put your card up here, you are, we want you to come up and put your card where you work. But each of these cards represents one of you that's working every day out there in your field. And I just got a few questions for you. What would happen if every single one of us represented the image of God and worked our very hardest tomorrow at work, today at work, Tuesday at work, Wednesday. What would happen if every one of these cards that represented one of us, if every one of us worked with all our heart to be good employees and to represent God? What would happen? What would happen if we all gave ourselves, if we said, God, you can have everything? How would that change this community? How would that change these systems that are broken? I believe that God wants every one of us to work and serve the Lord, regardless of what it is we're working on. So I'm not saying this to minimize your boss. Don't go to your boss tomorrow and say, ha ha, you don't matter, it's all about God. Don't do that, that'll get you in trouble. But I want you to understand that your work matters. What you are called to do is represent God in your work. And I believe that if every single one of us, if every single one of us will do that tomorrow, in all of these places, in all of these fields, I believe that God will do amazing things and that we will experience an inheritance and a blessing that we could never get on our own. And so the challenge is simple. Surrender your work to God. Work for God tomorrow, no matter what it is, no matter how small the task is, work as if your inheritance depends on it. Serve God. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a song, I Surrender All. It's not the version a lot of you might know, but the, the song is I Surrender All. And just in the end of this service, as we sing this song, I want you to respond to God. You don't have to come pray. You're welcome to come pray at an altar. But maybe your response is just closing your eyes. My response is usually closing my eyes and crying, if you could tell. I want you to respond to God and to say, God, today, tomorrow, Tuesday, whenever it is that I'm working, I want to give my work to you. I don't want to work on my own. I don't want to serve myself. I don't want to, I don't want to work for selfish gain, but I want to worship you I want to represent you to the people that I work for, to the people I work with, to the people that benefit from my work. I want to be Christ in my work. And so respond to God, however it is that you feel appropriate.